This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Tuesday's Thursday's edition even of uh, Cork Today. Chop Ball taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and I was sitting here yesterday and I was uh, chuffed with the amount of listeners very kind listeners who were texting in and whatsapping and calling to say happy birthday and uh, no matter how old you are uh, it's always loved it's, it's always lovely to be remembered and appreciated on your birthday so I really enjoyed all of the comments that came in yesterday so once again thanks uh, for that but I pass that birthday mantle over to our producer John Paul because it's uh, John Paul McNamara's birthday today and I can already see some WhatsApps uh, coming in so if you are dealing with John Paul today on the phones be extra nice to him be very kind to him because it is his uh, birthday but he is taking your calls this morning at 1850 so if there's anything you want to share with us on the programme today give John Paul a call or you can text our WhatsApps, WhatsApp they come straight into me here at the studio at 0862103103 I'm, I'm would be interested in your thoughts and comments on what happened yesterday in the Arachthus committee meeting on sport this was the day that we were all waiting for when we were um, waiting to see what was going to happen when John Delaney and the rest of the FAI all got together and came before the Oireachtas committee meeting and I suppose the big question that everybody wanted to know we were, was John Delaney's explanation for the loan of 100,000 Euro that he gave to the FAI back in 2017 and it was some kind of a bridging loan and people wanted to know more about it. We've heard very little about it and everybody was waiting to hear from the horse's mouth what exactly was going on. Why did John Delaney hand over this money you know, and why did it not show up in the books? Why did the auditors not get to hear about it? How many of the board members actually knew that John Delaney was in a, was forced, well I suppose was in a position that he had to give 100,000. And then when, when I was listening, I, I listened to a good three hours of, I picked it up from after the break at three o'clock and stayed with it until six o'clock for my sins uh, yesterday. Some of it was jaw dropping and others of it was a yawn fest because it was I think it was more frustrating than anything because you couldn't, you were, you wanted them, you wanted to get some answers and you wanted questions to be asked and 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 they weren't being asked or if they were being asked you just wouldn't get the answers that you wanted to get so it, it was I have, to, I have to say it was quite fr- um, frustrating but we didn't really get to find out much more about the 100,000 uh, like what what astounded me was we found out that this and, and uh, this I suppose is pretty much common knowledge 50 million euro. That's the amount of money that goes through the FAI every year. So it's a big, big organisation with a lot of money. And you would think with 50 million euro passing through the coffers of the FAI, would they ever get into a situation where they would need 100,000 euro by way of a bridging loan? It seems like to you or I, 100,000 euro is a huge amount of money and there would be very few of us would even be in a position that we would be able to give anyone a bridging loan of 100,000 euro just to be able to write a cheque. You know, kind of money that's sitting in the bank account. The company I work for needs a bit of a dig out. Shall I give them 100,000 euro? Very few people would be able to do that. But when you look at a company that has 50 million euro coming through its accounts 
you kind of think 100 million is a drop, 100,000 is a drop in the ocean. It seems a very small amount of money. And one of the TDs was really pushing to try to find out because at some stage, I think it turned out that it was, there was some kind of a bill or some kind of an invoice that was going to come in that had to be paid that was 100,000. Um, trying to get uh, trying to get the bottom of exactly what was that bill, that invoice, how long do they have to pay it and why was it suddenly, you know, why do they suddenly need to have this money in so quickly? And, you know, we didn't get any of those answers uh, yesterday. I mean, John Delaney uh, arrived in and he made his speech. He had a, like a prepared speech, which from what I can gather, because obviously I was on air when the morning session was on, when that bit actually happened. So I was trying to pick that up on social media yesterday afternoon and, and following it online to find out what had happened. But it looked like the members of the Oireachtas Committee were unaware that John Delaney was going to come in, was going to read a pre-prepared script speech and that then he was going to say, sorry, I can't answer any more questions because on, on legal advice, I'm not allowed to answer any questions from TDs on the issue of the €100,000 loan are my time as uh, CEO. The only, he said he'll only engage with questions about his new role as Executive Vice President and he's only been Executive Vice President a wet week so I don't know if there was much that they could even ask him about that role or his role as Executive Vice President. Another Sinn Féin TD, Imelda Munster. She accused John Delaney of um, behaving disgracefully for not answering the questions uh, yesterday. And then the other suppose, bit of news that we found out yesterday was that the FAI board, only three members of the FAI board, of which one was John Delaney himself, was aware of the loan at the time it was extended in 2017. So obviously John Delaney was giving the loan so he would have to have known about it. So that meant just two other board members were aware. Which seems totally and absolutely bizarre. You, you know, governance with boards and all of this, you assume that the board at least, even if the loan, if it was a really urgent bridging loan that had to be taken very, very quickly, I take it decisions had to be made by executives you know, and by the people working at the cold face of it. But you would have assumed at then the earliest possible convenience, for example, the next board meeting, that every one of the board members would have been told, look, this is what's after happening. We got caught. We had this invoice coming in. It had to be paid. And well done to John Delaney, our CEO. He had the money in the bank, so he gave us a loan. You, you know, you, you would have thought that would have happened, but it didn't. Some of the quotes of the day from uh, yesterday, um, I'd be quite confident that the only thing you can be accused of is being passionately committed to your job. That was Deputy Michael Healy Ray in his defence of John Delaney. You're a joke. That was Ruth Coppinger introduced or interrupting Michael Healy Ray. Raging she was. Uh, the former CEO has behaved disgracefully today. That's Imelda Munster on um, John Delaney's silence. We will not jeopardise Sports Council funding and we will take whatever actions we have to take. That was the FAI president, Donald Conway, when he was asked by the chairman of the Oireachtas Committee if the board would step down if that was a condition of Sports Ireland restoring funding and he clearly said yes they would. Well, didn't say that they would but he said that they certainly would take any actions that would be uh, needed. 
do you know how many bank accounts we have yet you have now this was a line of questioning from one of our own here in Cork Sinn Féin's Jonathan O'Brien and he was asking the treasurer a gentleman elderly gentleman by the name of Eddie Murphy who's the you know the treasurer on the board he was asking how many bank accounts do you, do you have and this gentleman Eddie Murphy said uh, one and then he had to be corrected very quickly by one of his colleagues to say sorry no the answer is, is 24 and you just that was one of the cringe moments where you went oh dear God you know now bearing in mind that those board members are all volunteers I don't even know do they get expenses because yeah, certainly when I had a stint on a board volunteering we, we didn't get absolutely any expenses at all now I know in some cases for boards you know they might get travel expenses or expenses you know to attend meetings uh, etc so I don't know what's the case here so we will assume that they are volunteers and we will assume that they're not getting paid so they give up their time freely the fact that they are volunteers but it was just cringe to think that the treasurer on a board of management would not know how many bank accounts the company had that was one of those moments where you just went, oh. and then as you say frustration it just seemed to be a lot of frustration a lot of people losing their patience including uh, Robert Troy really losing his patience with the FAI team he said since this morning this obviously was coming towards the wrap up of the day he said since this morning you've been evasive you've been vague and non-committal and um, ambiguous in your replies that wasn't just to John Delaney that was to the entire um FAI board and members that came in uh, yesterday I suppose it would be hard for him to say to John Delaney that you've been evasive vague non-committal and um, and uh, ambiguous because he refused to answer any of the questions any time he was asked a question he just said no and he actually brought his solicitor in with him now you could see it on camera You they, obviously the camera wasn't on him all of the time but some of the times when the camera was on John Delaney you would see his legal team his solicitor actually slipping a note to him and I'm assuming most of the notes were say nothing, say nothing, say nothing. Your thoughts and comments if you were following it yesterday, are you picking it up, are you following it on online, are you picking it up from the papers today? We are hoping to discuss it after 12 today on the programme but I very much welcome how you feel that a Rock This Committee meeting went uh, yesterday. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be discussing why are the OPW so slow in trying to sort out the issue of the collapsed weir in Formoy? I've lost count of the number of interviews we've done on this programme about the collapsed weir. This is a historic structure. If this was in any other country, they would be they would be moving mountains to make sure that this historic structure was being looked after. And for the good people of Formoy, they are literally watching it being washed away. There was a section of it last January in a flood, not a very high flood either, I'm told, washed away. And it is just, it's getting to the stage where when they do move in, it's, will it be too late? And that would be my one big fear. And then for future generations, they will read in history books at how Formoy once had this wonderful weir and that it's now, it's now gone. It's shameful that the OPW are dragging their feet on this. We're going to be discussing it on the programme again today. We're going to take a look at this report that came out yesterday. We certainly were running it on our news bulletin and this is from the National Cancer Registry and they track the number of 
cancers and cancer diagnoses. And then from that, they're able to predict. They sort of look back over the last number of years. They look at trends and then they're able to predict going forward how many patients are going to be diagnosed with cancer. And they're saying in 25 years, which is a relatively short time, you know, 25 years will be gone. God knows I'm nearly 30 years doing this show. It goes in the blink of an eye. And in 25 years, we will have double the number of patients with cancer that we have today. I think that figure is frightening. It's frightening when you think that today we already have a healthcare system that's struggling. It's buckling under the strain. And in the middle of that health system buckling under the strain, you already have cancer patients who are getting treatment, trying to get treatment. Then you add to that the people that are on waiting lists in order to go to see a consultant to get the test to see if they have uh, cancer. Will I be so bold as to mention the people on cervical check? Bold is probably the wrong word because that's a real worry for people who are waiting on smear test results. I mean, only a couple of weeks ago, we had a woman uh, who joined us who at that stage was six months waiting for her smear test result. And we were running, I heard on our news uh, service, a woman who wanted to remain anonymous, but she was somebody who had had dodgy smear results in the past. So obviously she's very nervous and she's one of those people that has to make sure every, probably initially six months, but then every year she has to have a smear test done. And, you know, with trepidation, Every year she'll go along and get that smear test and then there's almost a sigh of relief when the results come in to say, no, you're OK. And she could put that to the back of her mind for another year and then trundle on and then go through it all again. And, you know, that will keep up certainly for a few years until eventually she's told you're OK, you're, you're past the danger zone, you're going to be OK. That woman is caught up in the middle of it because instead of her getting her results back as she would have done a number of years ago in six weeks, She's another one of the ones caught up and waiting six, seven months was the last time I checked it was the length of wait for the cervical check results. And if you have people who are querying that maybe they have cancer, that's just mean. That's just really unfair that they're asked to wait that length. So they're people that could become one of the statistics because they, they are some of the women who could go on uh, to have cancer. So they will be added onto the list and then they go into the system that's already creaking. And, and then we're thinking, jump forward to 25 years. We so need to start working now, put the planning in place, put the procedures in place to make sure that if it does come to pass that we have double the amount of cancer patients we have today, that we have them in 25 years time, that we have all of the systems in place. We also need to try to see if we can get people who looks like they're going to be getting cancer in the next 25 years, what can be done to make sure that they don't get cancer? What preventative measures can be put in? What can we do to get in with an early diagnosis so that they can get their cancer treatment quickly and what may may not have to be as invasive, it may not have to be as long, it may not have to be as costly. Now there's a lot we can be doing with this piece of information. So we're going to look at that on the programme today. We're hearing about a plea that went to Irinroth Aram to consider reopening rail links into West Cork. Now 
it's kind of fallen a little bit on deaf ears. So we're going to look at, uh, I'd be interested to hear the reasons as to why they feel that we can never relook at putting a rail link back into uh, West Cork, even if you just put it as far as, say, a stop at Bandon and down into Clonakilty. It will make such a difference to people's uh, lives. So if we can't have a rail link into West Cork, what's the next best thing? Adequate and frequent buses. So let's take a look at that uh, instead. A member of Angarda Corner will join us uh, for this week's crime file. And we don't have our pet slot this week because uh, Jane, our resident vet, not available to us today. Some of your calls and comments coming in about the Oroctus Committee yesterday. And was it a great big waste of time? They were eight hours in at that meeting yesterday. Eight hours. These are what uh, some of our listeners feel. Damn. Uh, Deputy Michael Healy-Way and Kevin O'Keefe. And by the way, we have put calls through to Kevin O'Keefe because Kevin O'Keefe was on that committee to ask him to uh, join us. But Dan feels both Michael Healy-Way and Kevin O'Keefe were absolutely cringeworthy and a national embarrassment on the committee yesterday. The voters are worse for electing them. Uh, Dear God, they were the worst ever, says uh, Dan. He wasn't happy with Well, Michael Healy-Way wasn't on the committee, but as a TD, he's allowed in. So he went in and did three minutes, but it was three minutes of fulsome praise for John Delaney, which he is entitled to do, can I say. But Kevin O'Keefe was a member of the committee. He... I didn't get to see much of Kevin. He didn't. None of them seem to have got a very long time. I don't know if what the questions he asked were very probing. Some certainly some of the other TDs were much more probing in their line of questions. Uh, thanks for your text, Dan. Hi, Patricia. John Delaney is on a huge salary. And let us not forget, and this wasn't mentioned yesterday, that they also the FAI also paid three thousand euro a month rent for the man. It wasn't that long ago that the Irish ladies soccer team had to share gear. Remember that? They flew in. They were on some flight having played somewhere and when they came back into Dublin airport they had to go into the toilets in Dublin airport to take off the tracksuits so they could hand the tracksuits back because they were going to be used for another team. €36,000 a year was what was paid in rent for John Delaney. That would certainly have bought a lot of gear for those ladies. Power corrupts says this texter, as Roy would say, a bunch of Muppets. John Delaney says Mary was an arrogant gaboog yesterday. But Michael Healy Ray on the Ivan Yates show last night was a disgrace, shameful and totally unbelievable. Thank God the young people were in bed at that hour of the night. That's from Mary and another listener says, Morning Patricia, the FAI are an organisation. But who did John Delaney give the money to? It's quite obvious to me who he gave the money to. What a shower of gangsters we have in this country. Mm, I don't quite know where you're going with that point. I, Because the one argument that was put forward yesterday that they tried to get to the bottom of and they couldn't was what exactly did the €100? Because we're led to believe now that it paid off one particular bill, one particular in, invoice. But we've no information as to what it is. So I don't quite know where you're coming with that particular text because I'm scratching my head trying to work out where the 100,000. They say the, the argument has also been used. It was, it was to stop it going into an overdraft. But then yesterday we discovered there was a bill came in for 100,000. So I'd love to know what the bill is. And then John O'Donovan was on who regularly contacts the show and he's picking up on Ivan Yates' 
which I spoke about with Simon. We played out a, p- a bit of it when I was on with Simon on the breakfast show in the last hour. This uh, Ivan Yates absolutely savaging Michael, Deputy Michael Healy Ray on the show last night. And John O'Donovan is annoyed about that and said, uses the word savages. Ivan Yates savaged Deputy Michael Healy Ray. It's not the first time he's done it either. I feel, says John, that the Tonight Show, that's what the Ivan Yates show is called, they have no respect for rural Ireland. I'm looking forward to watching Micheál Martin, the Taoiseach uh, and our Simon Harris. Will they be savaged? by Ivan Yates. I felt what happened last night towards Deputy Michael Healy Ray was a disgrace. It comes across that Ivan Yates from a rural area has no has no respect. It comes across that Ivan Ray Ivan Yates has absolutely no respect for TDs that come from rural Ireland. John O'Donovan feels so strongly about it that he reckons Ivan Yates should apologize not just to Michael Healy Ray, but should apologise to uh, people who live in rural Ireland. He feels it was a dig at rural Ireland. 1850 Your thoughts on that, please, on what Ivan Yates, what happened with Ivan Yates last night, really, really having a go at Michael Healy Ray. Would you agree with John O'Donovan? It's a bit of a dig at rural Ireland. He called him a leprechaun, didn't he, at at one stage? Is it a dig? Should we all be taking umbrage of the fact that Ivan Yates had a go at Michael Healy Ray? Well, I take it everyone is not going to take offence to us because we had Dan, one of our listeners, who I take it would have agreed with Ivan Yates because Dan has already been on and felt that, to coin someone else's phrase, that Michael Healy Ray was a thundering disgrace yesterday the way he went in and he only had three minutes but he used the three minutes just to praise John Delaney and to say how welcome John Delaney was going to be when he comes. He's, he's coming down to open some centre or something in Kerry. Now, on many occasions, we have covered the condition of the historic weir on the River Blackwater in Formoy. And in January of this year, it was reported that 10 metres of the weir collapsed and was simply washed away. To try to find out what is happening, I'm joined by two local councillors, uh, Franco Flynn and uh, Noel uh, McCarthy. Uh, good morning to you both, gentlemen, and, and you're welcome to the programme. Good morning, um, Frank, if I can start with you, when we last spoke about this issue, we heard that the council were writing to the OPW seeking a plan for repair works to the weir. What has the response from the OPW been? Well, what we've done at the moment is Cork County Council at the moment are in the process of appointing uh, consultants uh, to uh, apply for the planning, uh, full planning um, permission for the weir and also they'll be involved in the design of, of, of the new, re, you could say, re, reconstructing the existing weir and the fish pass. Now, we're also, in actual fact, also going to do, when these consultants are in place, that are also going to actually put in place the new fish channel. If there's a decision to go down, in other words, it's going to save us time in the long term. They'll do, they'll reinstate the existing weir, plus the fish ladder, plus the fish channel. You know, and uh, at the moment, uh, that's how, that, that went out to tinder. Uh, one, uh, there was one person came back. Uh, at the moment, uh, they're examining that, and we expect within three weeks that there'll be a decision taken on appointing that consultant. Now, if you only one get one tender, can can do the rules allow you to accept if only one tenders? It, um, the rules accept you, but you have to go back and you have to examine that tender and you have to prove that that tender is worthy of the price that you put in. And there's quite a lot of two tenders came in to be very straightforward. You could pick the lowest. 
Okay, so 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 we're at the tendering, we're at the tendering stage. So what? So so allowing that that all goes ahead without any hiccups. When when I think what people want to know is when is work going to start? Well, um, overall, the, the process will take the best part of two and a half to three years. We're looking in one way that last year we did the, the pre-investigation that was necessary to be done as part of the, of the planning process and, and the works of the new consultant. That was done last year, so that'll speed up somewhat. The other thing is this, the new tender that's out now, the consultant, that'll cost in the region of 400000 Car County Council are committing, uh, committed to covering half of that cost. And we are waiting a reply. Yes, no, I have to We are waiting a reply. There is words that are going to come from the department that they will cover that. But the big thing here is this. If we have the planning permission, there has to work for Planola. We haven't got the funding in place to put in place a contractor to carry out the works. And that is one thing that I've raised on numerous, numerous occasions. Car County Council had been on to the Minister, Minister for the Environment, and they made an application that will need this funding. I raised in Cork County Council on the second Monday in February that Cork County Council to impose upon the Minister the importance of the way and the fact that funding should be in place. Because if we're planning tomorrow morning, Patricia, and Miss Nuss in Fumari, if we haven't got the funding, we cannot appoint the no Let me bring so in, let me bring in Noel, Noel McCarthy. Two and a half, three years, uh, Noel. I mean, if we're waiting that long, will there be anything left of the weir by the, time, the by, by the time we get in to do something to it? And that's the big problem, Patricia. When we met the minister in October and we discussed this, when I got the time frame, two and a half to three years, I said it at that meeting that that time frame was too long and the people of Fermoy and surrounding areas wouldn't accept that. I still think, and there was, save the Weir Committee, put good plans forward for a temporary solution. I know Cork County Council have tried everything with the department and the inland fisheries and they refused it. But, Patricia, we must now look at that again. Because waiting for two and a half, since that meeting six, over six months ago, Patricia, nothing has happened. We haven't got, we have applied for the funding, we haven't got a commitment found. No work can take place till all the tender process takes place. We need to get action now. And I'm saying again, we should look, I'm, I've been out canvassing for the last two or three weeks. What the people are saying on the doorsteps of Vermont and surrounding areas is, why aren't we looking at the temporary solution till the funding comes forward and then we can get wait for the works to be done? But something needs to happen now, Patricia, because and fast, and, and fast. And fast. Um, Frank, you well, want to get back? You want to get back in there or not? I'll, I'll, I'll look for a deputation with the minister in February. Yeah. Last Monday, I raised again. Had we any? We haven't even got an acknowledgement from the biggest That's country council in, in in Ireland. And I think it's an absolute disgrace. So I got the full support of all the members last Monday, Patricia. And this Mr. is this is the this is the letter that was sent to the Office of Public it, Works. Yes, I'm not sent off to the Minister of the Environment. Oh, the Minister of the Environment. Environment. Okay, so you're saying you didn't even. Get, and when when did you send that letter? We sent it in February, and we didn't even get as much as an acknowledgement. No, and not well. we have to have funding in today. Now we Pascal Donoghue swanning around for my last Friday week. I've no doubt different people. He's the Minister for Finance. I've no doubt that people asked him, when is the funding going to be put in place? And the silence is deafening since he wasn't from I. You think at this stage he'd give him some commitment? Now, I agreed, and I got full support the last time when I proposed We sent an emergency email to the Minister, seeking deputation, led by the Lord Mayor of Cork County Council. We have to, 
this grand, if we have planning tomorrow morning for this, we cannot go ahead. We cannot. You need because you don't do. have the money. You have to have the money in place. If we do the way, we refurbish the way. I'll, I'll bring you back in a minute. No, no. If we refurbish the way tomorrow morning, we get to go ahead. But um, the way plus the fish pass will cost fish ladder will cost roughly in the region of one point five seven million. If we get to go ahead to do the full the, the full job, which is a new fish channel, you're talking about in excess of three million. Yeah. Where are you? And this day and age, it's, it's, since last October, November, we've been on to the minister seeking funding. He hasn't even acknowledged uh, and, and let us back to Cock County Council. I backed it from my municipal area, Pauli Maria, to no, Yeah, no, that's, not, no, that's not good it's enough. Noel, Noel you, want, you want to get back in on that? Yeah, I agree with Councillor that we need to get a, a, some answer from the department and the minister's office. We've been left waiting now too long. I, in all fairness to the council, they did what they were asked to do at that meeting in October. They sent off all the plans, all the funding requirements, and we need to get an answer. Now, 150,000, Patricia, when you think of all the money that's been spent in the hospital in Dublin, 150,000 commitment now up front isn't a lot of money to ask for to get this project started. But Patricia, can I just re-emphasize again? Well, the most it's, close the most to the, it's close enough to the loan that John Delaney gave to the FAI. Exactly. We might exactly. ask him for a loan. Exactly. But, but go on, what's but, most important? The one important thing here is that we still, even if we get that money and we get the further money, a commitment for the full funding, it's going to be at least two years before any contractor can go into the river Blackwater to repair what needs to be repaired now. So I'm asking again that I'd be raising again on Monday at an order meeting, on Tuesday at a municipal meeting, that we need to look at the temporary solution till we get the funding in place. Because there'll be no regattering for my this year. Fishermen are up in arms. It's, I can see the frustration now, and it's not... And, and Frank, to, to, I, I'm very. I'm always, when we're doing interviews like this, I'm conscious that obviously people in the North Cork area, and particularly in Fromoy, are very much aware of this of the weir, but people outside of the area, what would the loss of the weir mean to Fromoy and the wider area? Frank. We're talking about Brexit at the moment to be absolutely devastation. It's the biggest strength that the town of Fromoy have in relation to tourism, in relation to regatta, in relation to fishing. It is what Fromoy is. It's a tremendous strength. I often wonder, are we even playing to foot? The river and Fromoy and the regatta, the regatta and the fishing is everything to Fromoy. Fromoy is a very strong tourist area, proud tradition, Blackwater Valley, world-renowned throughout Europe, famous for salmon fishing. It'd be a tremendous loss. And I'm saying at this stage, would someone please in the Minister's office at least acknowledge, give us a meeting, tell us exactly what's there. We have to do this. Now, we've all agreed councils, we're going to raise it full media Cockney Council on Monday in Battle for the Northern Division. Can they do carry out temporary works on on, on behalf of the of, uh, uh, regattas coming up in May, one of the biggest regattas looked after in in all of Ireland. Also we have the fishing season is done. And the way things are going at the moment, will you all wake up some money and the way will be completely and, that, and that's what nobody wants. Stay there because Paul, Paul Kinsella um, Paul Kinsella from the Save oh. the Weir group uh, is on the other line. Uh, good morning to you, Paul. It's Paul Kavanagh. Just in Kavanagh. Case you're getting your Paul, pa- apologies. Apologies, Paul. Um, Paul, the, you know, listening to our two local... Uh, councillors Frank and, and Noel you know yeah. talk about the devastation in the area if we lose the the weir I mean you're a group that was set up you know only too well the devastation that could be caused if, if the weir is gone for good Well we had an emergency meeting uh, on Monday night and uh, the clubs were all represented there and the regatta is about to be cancelled um, actually we can't get boats on the river at the moment um, if anybody wants to walk down Barnane 
the pontoon, which you shouldn't even be using at this time of the year, is on the, the bed of the river. And and it's tilted. Uh, the triathlon will be cancelled. The, oh the long-distance swimmers, the, the, the swim that's done for charity, uh, for the Lions Club, that's going to be cancelled. And everybody is looking at each other like, I mean... And this is exactly people. what you were predicting would happen if yeah. work didn't get underway. But, but, but I'm, 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 I'm going to say what the councillors can say, right? And we, we uh, both uh, Tommy Lawton, who's heading up the fishing, fishing group, and myself have been summoned to the Dáil on the 8th of May in front of an Oireachtas committee, We've, right? Yeah. Uh, because we put in a petition about this because we're sick to our teeth of the whole thing. And what we're gonna, we'll be able to say what we want to say that day. So I'm going to say some of it now. The Fisheries Board, Inland Fisheries Ireland, are 100% responsible for what's going on in the river. 100%. They could, uh, they could allow the repair tomorrow morning and we would have gone in last summer, I told you this before, we'll go in again this summer if we're left. But we've been told if we put a shovel in the river, we'll be fined, we'll be in the high court, we'll be injuncted. And I can't do that as a businessman. I certainly And can't. inland fisheries are against pa- it because they say it will affect the fish. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. We have, we have proved that it won't. They won't listen to us. They've written to the Oireachtas Committee. If you read the letter, you, you'd sicken yourself reading it. In other words, they don't care about Fermoy. They don't care about any town, right? They care about fish. That's fine, but we all have to live together. And we all have to share... Absolutely, and we have to share the river. Absolutely. Okay, and who else, who else is going to that Oireachtas Committee? There's only two... There's only two uh, Tommy Lawton, representing the, the fishing, yeah. is going, and myself, on the 8th of May... We've been summoned to that, uh, and we can we have five minutes each to say what we have to say, and we can say what we want, and we will be saying that quite clearly that the fisheries board need to get off their high horse, uh, who are backed by the department, of course, and um, it's absolutely revolting that the department have not responded to Cork County Council. Yeah, that that That's is number that, one. Yeah, that but is utterly shameful. Patricia, we went and we met um, uh, Minister Pascal. Don't know who Minister for Finance, the man with the checkbook. We met him last Friday. When he was in Fermoy, yeah. In Fermoy. In fairness, that meeting was made uh, available to us by Paolo Driscoll. And we went and we met him. And he said, 150,000 lads, that shouldn't be a problem. No, within a week, we're told the 150, which is matching the other 150. For, so 300 could become 400, could become 500. I mean, where's this going to stop? It's like the bloody chip. And, the, and the, the Noel and Frank are talking about get in there and do temporary works. That's what we want, but the fisheries board are saying won't no. allow it. And Minister okay. Sean Coyne, when he came to Fermoy and he addressed the councillors, he told them that, they, that that will not be allowed by the fisheries board. They want the, the two works going on at the one time, and I can tell you there'll be no rowing, fishing, boating. The wheelchair boat will be off the river. The river will be closed down. That's such a shame. That's such a shame. I'm way over on time. I have to leave it there. Paul, we uh, we will speak again. Good luck at the Oireachtas uh, Committee yeah. meeting in uh, May. Thank you for that and thanks uh, for, for joining us. Uh, Frank and Noel, I'll just bring them back uh, very quickly. Uh, no, they're, they're gone. Uh, thanks to both of them as well. Uh, Councillors Franco Flynn and Noel McCarthy uh, before that. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're getting reports in and we're going to, we're, we're, we're trying to get somebody to talk about this after 12 o'clock today. We're hearing of homeless people living under the canopy 
outside of public toilets in the town of Dunmanway. And when we hear and see homeless people living rough in Cork City, and if you've been to Dublin, you'll see a lot of homeless people out on the street. But we don't see a lot of rough sleepers in the county. And that's not to say that we don't have rough sleepers in the county. We do. But you don't see that many of them. And I certainly don't know if we've had reports in before of people sleeping rough in Dunmanway before. But three of them seemingly living in the under the canopy outside the toilets in uh, Dunmanway. 1850-333-103. Our homeless situation is just steadily, steadily getting worse. Some of your thoughts and comments coming into us. We were discussing the weir in Formoy. You know, the weir in Formoy is collapsing and the councillors were saying 1.7 million is, uh, it will, is, will be what is needed to do up this uh, weir. Somebody says, if you've got 1.7 million available, would they please put it into building houses and put it in to solve the homeless situation? And I suppose, yeah, when you put it like that, when you're looking at people sleeping outside a public toilet and then, you know, but yet... You, you, they all come with their own priorities. I mean, the weir, the, what the weir means to Formoy and it's the knock-on effect. If we lose the weir in Formoy, it is the knock-on effect to the greater uh, area. I mean, it would cause a whole host of different problems that ultimately could, uh, it would be so bad for the economy of the area. And of course, if the economy of the area goes down, you could end up with people uh, becoming more homeless. So it's, it's hard, it's impossible to compare uh, like with like. Uh, Sandy says, on weirs in general... They used to be there used to be the view that weirs were established for the benefit of the landlords and the upper classes. And they used them only to establish salmon fishing. In Mayo, in particular areas, fishing rights were in the name uh, names of the landlords since the 1800s. In the opinion of some, the weirs also artificially raise water levels. Sandy said, I heard that the IRA tried to blow up many of these weirs in the early 1900s during their fight for independence. And they were obviously doing it, I'm assuming at the time, because they belonged to the English landlords and the upper uh, class. OK, on the John Delaney and the, what went on at the Oireachtas Committee meeting yesterday and people very, very frustrated over what happened yesterday. And I suppose frustration because of the lack of information. I mean, one of the other pieces that came out was the review that led to the creation of John Delaney's new role within the FAI. This is this executive vice president, a role that never existed before. It was commissioned and acted upon within a number of weeks and it was created days after the review. And that's one of the things that came out from the Oireachtas committee meeting uh, yesterday. And it was a line of questioning from Noel Rock to the FAI chairman, Donald Conway. And he said that the Hall review may have been commissioned after the FAI had received the first media query. And of course, the media query came from the Sunday Times. They were the first to get a sniff of this €100,000. So it looks like you could be cynical and say 
somebody within the FAI said, oh no, the press have got wind of the €100,000. We need to do something. We need to do something fast. And then suddenly there's a new position created for uh, John Delaney. That's to say the cynical amongst us may say that. Some of your thoughts coming in. A lot of people tying in. What happened yesterday with Michael Healy Ray and his three minutes yesterday and then he appearing on the Today Show, the Tonight Show with Ivan Yates last night. Margaret says, hi Patricia, what happened on the Tonight Show last night was disgraceful. But Ivan Yates was very insulting to Michael Healy Ray. It was a pity though that Michael Healy Ray reacted very badly back to him. Ivan always seems to be insulting towards him and yeah, and yet Michael Healy Ray goes back time and time again. Don Delaney is very popular in Kerry and other areas as shown by RTE and TV3 News. There are quite a number of very good soccer pitches and facilities all over the country after intervention by said John Delaney and maybe more are in the pipeline. So I take it that's why Michael Healy Ray praised him. By the way, I couldn't care less about John Delaney or the FAI for that matter and I wouldn't give state fundings to the FAI or indeed the GAA. As in my opinion, they make some very strange decisions and they're mostly to Dublin's benefit. We don't benefit down the country. Pat says, when we don't want to face the truth or answer a straight question, all we have to do is carry a solicitor or judge around in our back pocket and we're home free. And as far as these people are concerned, I always thought that threats of any kind were illegal. I don't quite know what your what your your point about the threats are, uh, Pat. But yeah, I mean, yesterday, John Delaney had his solicitor with him who was basically telling him what he could and couldn't say. And by all accounts, it was what he couldn't say. Dan says, Kevin O'Keefe, we have put a call out because he was a member of the committee to see if he's available to speak to us today. Kevin O'Keefe admitted on your programme, Patricia, that he asked John Delaney for World Cup match tickets. He did. He told us he did. And he also admitted that he duly paid for them. He was hardly going to hang John Delaney out to dry yesterday then, was he? He was under so much pressure yesterday to be seen to ask some kind of questions that he couldn't actually string. At times it felt I felt he couldn't actually string a sentence together. It was farcical and cringe at times. How are some of these people elected? Mags on the leprechaun comment when Ivan Yates called Michael Hilly Ray a leprechaun. Tis Ivan Tis is on the text in in print. Tis Ivan Yates is a leprechaun, says Mags. But then that's an insult to leprechauns. Patricia, you, uh, I don't know, I'll leave that one for a sec. Just let me see if there's any more on this. That's the one on baby clothes. Let me hold off on that one for a minute. Michael Lady Ray and Ivan Yates, they never get on on the Tonight Show, says Mary, who's obviously a regular watcher of it. So it is nothing new. But it seemed to have gone to kind of a new level. They seem to have been really, really very insulting to each other uh, last night. A lot of them, this is the TDs, and the Oireachtas committee members yesterday. Someone says, a lot of them are just sucking up in the hope of getting free tickets into the uh, future. OK, that's just some of the calls and texts coming in on that issue of the Oireachtas committee on sport uh, yesterday. Just on some other issues, I mentioned smear tests and people waiting for their smear test results. Somebody who wants to, please don't call out my name, that's fine. I'm waiting for results now for eight months oh dear God has it gone to eight months uh, it is results of my smear test I spent two years going to St Finbar's in Cork because they weren't happy with the previous results but yet I'm still waiting 
Yeah, I. that's one of the things I think needs to be looked at. People who have a history of having smear tests that had irregular cells. I think there should be a different, like a fast track system for those people. Or anyone who has had any history of cervical cancer. And, you know, they've got to come back year after year for checkups and, you know, year after year for smears for many years after until they finally get the all clear. I think there should be a different system for them to get their smear slides read. And then the normal cohort of women who are going along for their cervical check and their call every, is it every two years, every four years, depending on your age, that, you know, if they've got to go into the waiting list well then so be it but I think anyone who has a history or has had irregular smear test results in the past I think they need to start prioritising those now whether that's going to happen or not I know Minister Harris was out talking yesterday about it again because seemingly there was an email sent to him alerting him to the fact that if you offer every woman who has had a smear a, another free smear test to go back again you're going to flood the system he was warned about it and he's claiming he didn't see it and he's also claiming there was nothing in it that, that he didn't know and actually and we don't keep logs that far I do remember at the time making that point when it came out and when people were very anxious and women were very scared and women were wondering were they going to be part of the group of women that were going to get a phone call to say sorry we've taken a look at your, your, your smear test again and we got it wrong. And you know people were very very anxious and people who got you know a positive or a negative it's negative rather than positive uh, results to say your smear was fine suddenly started to to doubt it and saying well look what happened you know Vicky Field and all the high Emma Vic Mahuna all the high profile cases and people looked at those women and thinking there but for the grace of God go any of us so when Simon Harris to try to uh, allay people's fears and I can understand why he did it you know came out and said okay let's anyone anyway nervous come back to us we'll, we'll give you another smear just to prove to you that everything is okay. And I remember at the time saying, I hope that they've put the procedures in place, i.e. that they've put enough labs in place that will be able to deal with the number of women that are going to come forward on top of the women who naturally would be due for their smear. So you're adding to what what was already a bit of a wait and you're suddenly going to flood the system. And it's exactly as was predicted has happened. It seems crazy and I can't see anything or any decisions being made to try to get that waiting list number down. We need more labs, we need more labs to be opened up in this country instead of sending them abroad and we need to start processing those slides quicker. But that's got to be if we're at eight months now, it's, I mean the last time we looked at it it was at between six and a half and seven months. I think seven was the longest we saw somebody wait but here's a lady who is now eight months and still hasn't got her results and somebody who has had a history of having irregular cells. I mean, it's just, please God, everything will be okay. And hopefully, you know, often sometimes when you when you put it out there, when you mention something like that, you know, later on today, the postman might arrive with your results, so you might get them tomorrow. Please God, that's exactly what it, hap- it will happen for you. And I hope it's a good news story for you. Let us know, please, when your results do come. And uh, please God, it'll all be okay. Now, we were talking earlier in the week about baby clothes and newborn baby clothes and I was 
mentioning about the amount of newborn baby clothes that a newborn baby gets. And I wonder, has there ever been, particularly a first time mum who gets loads of presents, do they ever manage to go through every single one of the outfits? I think even if you're putting on a different outfit a day, you probably wouldn't get through all of the outfits. Well, Margaret is picking up on that. You spoke about new mothers getting lots and lots of baby uh, clothes, some and many of which the baby will absolutely never wear well says Margaret. My advice. When I buy clothes for a newborn baby, I always buy for a child of two years of age. Because then I know that the family and the baby will get much better value out of it. Babies grow so quickly and some can be bigger than their actual age, which is true. You also mentioned about a person being invited to a wedding and not going and whether or not they should give a gift. By the way, that lady was back on asking what was the result. We got a a very much 50-50 split on it with some people saying that they would give a small gift if they got an invite to the wedding for whatever reason they, they weren't able to go. And then we had another cohort of people right down the middle, 50-50, another group of people said, absolutely no way. If I'm not able to go to the wedding, you're not getting a gift. So we were of no help to the lady who contacted us. Here's Margaret with her top and safety. She said, what I do in a case like that, if I get a wedding invitation and I'm not able to go, I would send a lunch voucher or a dinner voucher for two. It depends on how much you want to spend. But I send it for a local restaurant. And the idea being then that the newly married couple, when the dust has settled and everything's calmed down and they're back from their honeymoon and they're settling into a happy married life together, they'll say, oh, Margaret gave us that nice voucher. Let's go for dinner. Let's go for lunch. That's a nice thing to do. That is a nice, nice uh, thing to do and something for the happy couple to uh, look forward to. Thank you for that, uh, Margaret. And good advice on the baby clothes as well. And you're right about the babies growing and they can be bigger for their age. I mean, the newborn baby clothes, if you've got a very small baby, you know, you might get a couple of weeks, a couple of months out of the very tiny little newborn babies. But if you have a big newborn baby, uh, sometimes you might even get a couple of weeks out of it and they're grown out when they're ready into the next size. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A home carer is required for an elderly lady with dementia and that is in the Bandon area. Skilled labour is required for the North Cork area. Full clean driver's licence required. And classic windows there in Kilumny. They're looking for window fitters experience not essential. And a sales assistant is required for Sean Hennessy Electrical Superstores, Mallow, Rathkeel and Newcastle West. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A few weeks ago when I spoke with the young English couple who are blogging online about their journey to travel to every train station in Ireland and in Northern Ireland, they were surprised to hear that an area the size of West Cork no longer has a rail link. Local independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins has been trying to press Erin Rotheran to consider bringing rail back to West Cork or at the very least back to Bandon and Clonakilty. And uh, Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Um, and, and you're welcome. You tried, but no luck. Did you ever get any reason? Is it purely down to cost that they won't bring the, the rail even as far as Clonakilty? 
sadly, that's what it is. That I, my proposals initially were to bring it uh, back to Bandon, even um, uh, in the doll. When I spoke to the Taoiseach in questions on, on Tuesday, I said to him that in 1886, uh, rail was coming all the way through West Cork into Skull. In 1892, on the northern, it was coming right through the other side of the Manway down into Bantry. And in 2019, we don't even have a connecting bus service from West Cork to the train to the railway station. And remember, that works both ways. People can come, uh, you know, back down as well if there was a proper uh, system. So I suppose I have to be realistic and I have to, you know, the Tisha Carvel, um encourages us to come up with a solution. And I feel that there's only one solution here. Um, if they're not prepared to, to, to spend the money in West Cork in relation to bringing rail back to at least abandon our clan activity, would they at least look at a, at a pilot park and ride system um, uh, for people, uh, I think what I'd like to call them a stressed motorists that are travelling hours on end to and from Cork um, at this present time. Okay, where where would you, in the ideal world, where would you operate the park and ride from? I think in the ideal world, it would have to operate from Clannacilty. You have to be realistic. I'd love to say Skibreen, love to say Bentry, but it's possible for buses to link into the park and ride system in Clannacilty. That's that's um, that's where I'm. Uh, that's my feel. You see, at the moment, there was a study done by Transport Infrastructure Ireland. Seventy percent of people commute to work. Sixty percent drive. 10% travel as passengers. And we have huge poss- uh, potential here. You know, we have carbon emission problems. We are going to be paying massive fines. We could take in a huge amount of, 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 of cars off of the road that don't need to be travelling to and from with a park and ride system if it got the proper support. At the present time, uh, we don't have any connecting connections with, with rail from West Cork. We don't have any connections with airport. I will say now there is one service coming up from Kinsale, but from the other part of West Cork there isn't. Um, uh, the other problem we have is that the, the existing bus services are not reaching Cork City in in a, in, enough, in a proper time manner so that people can go to work. Uh, attend their work in the morning even if people want to leave West Cork and head to Dublin there's no way you can do it if you want to use a public uh, t- a transport service the issue too is that the fares are too high and the timetables as I said are not suitable so people and the other side of it is that when you do get to Cork by, by bus you have to walk walk from the bus station to the train station or else get a taxi from the bus station to the train station there's been no real kind of future thinking and, and, and yeah, and it's a kind of a bit of a joint up thinking. As you say, you need the timetable, you need the frequency of the buses to allow for people that need to get to work or get to college in ample time. But you also will need an early morning bus that will take you to the train station that will get you on some of the early morning trains, as you say, if you need to go to Dublin. You, you will, and that's not there at the moment. And that's look if, if if they're not prepared to invest in rail into West Cork and open up West Cork for a place of business, at least this would help. And as I say, if there's a park, a, a pilot park and ride system, in place, it can work both ways. It can bring people into West Cork as well. We don't want to be taking people all, all but they are genuinely travelling. They're travelling in in Cartier. They're held up. We've had situations, you know, where I've been shouting for for a long time is the Inishannon funding for the Inishannon bypass it hasn't happened uh, funding to finish the southern bypass in Bendon it hasn't happened no there's talks of a two phase northern bypass in Bendon which if it happens in two phases will be a, a disaster for many businesses in Bendon and motors trying to travel to Bendon we really haven't 
resolve or look at any future thinking. There has been funding for the N71 in relation to re- repairing damaged roads, but we haven't had any funding for the R586 or the R585 or the N71 improper to create passing base to try and ease the stress of motors. But look, this is a solution. In fairness to the Taoiseach, we have to give credit where credit is due. He said he will take it up with the TI. He did not dismiss it. He will take it up with the TII. He'll take it up with the NTA and the Cork County Council to see this running runner. He did say that park and rides don't always work in some places, but most times they do. And that my suggestion could work and that he is willing to take it up with them. And that's a start in the right direction. I didn't well, yeah, can you even, even if they were to put it in on a trial basis and then it's then it's the case of use it or lose it, you could find out do people want the service? I think I think they will. And if it's if it's an attractive, we'll say if the fair, the competitors, if the timetables are suitable, that if yeah. it's wheelchair accessible, I'm pretty sure that people will support it. And you know, these things take time to grow. And, and you see, there's a saving here for the family and a lot of families are extremely squeezed at this time because it could well happen that in most cases people could go down to one car in the family home because the... the, the, the the husband or the wife uh, that is travelling can travel uh, via this new transport service that will take and bring them uh, in a timely and efficient manner. For every 40 people, Patricia, that uses public transport to work, that would take 30 cars off the road uh, going to Cork. So Im- imagine you had a park and ride continuous system coming, uh, leaving Cork, taking people. It could take numerous cars that don't need to be on the road. And of course, you know, our carbon emissions, this is what we're being told, cut back on it. We're going paying massive fines in the country. I think it's time for the Taoiseach to look very deeply into a proposal like this and to try and implement it because it is a win-win situation instead of paying fines down the road um, that we would have to pay, unfortunately. Okay, we'll keep a close eye on this. While we have you on the line, I saw you on the Rock This uh, TV the other, uh, the earlier in the week talking about the 82-year-old man lying on the street of Skibbereen waiting for an ambulance. What happened there? Well, I, I got I got a good few calls from people that were, were, were there uh, on the scene and, and very upset to see um, uh, the gentleman he fell um, you know, there was reportedly a neck and probably maybe broken hip uh, hip injuries in here. Um, he's been two hours, 15 minutes. It looks like our ambulances and uh, were, were tied up in, in CUH in Cork um, and I weren't able to attend to him, leaving it, leaving the man in the situation of having to wait on the street. In fairness, well care, cared for by the people who tried to put blankets and make sure he was warm and that much time, but suffering quite a lot. And waited two hours, 15 minutes. One gentleman told me he stayed there with him. He said it was absolutely scandalous. And there's no doubt about it, the health system of this country, it's, 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 it's getting from bad to worse. But that is unbelievable. And I've heard other situations. I was down in Bantry myself there about three months ago when a young, a young man uh, was at, at playing sports in a boxing tournament and he twisted his, his knee. His knee was put out. We were, I was there. I saw it an hour and 10 minutes and an ambulance had to come in from Kerry to, to look after him. There is something very serious wrong with the ambulance service in this country. There, there's no wonder the, the ambulance staff are out there protesting to get, get the, for their rights and to be represented by their own union. But the bottom line is, Patricia, it's not good enough for any... any but I mean, when we were talking union, last week about the status black at uh, Cork University Hospital, in the middle of that status black, or cold black, whatever people want to call it, there was five ambulances stuck outside CUH waiting to offload their passengers. So there was five ambulances. If there had been a 999-112 call, there was no... Th- those ambulances were stuck. 
They were, and that was, uh, they stayed until 3 o'clock in the morning. Most of the members yeah. of the service were meant to f- finish their shift at 8 o'clock and they had to stay till 3 o'clock to unload, basically, their patients into CUH. And, you know, I mean, it all comes down to the to the issue here again, Patricia. We were told we were scaremongering when we said keep the overnight A&E open in Mallow, overnight A&E open in Bantry Hospital. We were told we were scaremongering. Now the facts are there in front of the people. We have a cold black. We have people lying in the street for 2 hours, 15 minutes, 82-year-old people. It's just, it's outrageous. And it's 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 so easily resolved. And they're now talking, I, I heard, uh, Minister, the Tarnish Society speaking the other day about opening a new hospital in Cork and they'll probably make the same aims as that as they made at the Children's Hospital in Dublin, but the bottom line is, start looking at what you have. We can't be looking at 10 or 15, 20 years ahead until we resolve what's going on today. You open your overnight A&E 24-hour service in Bantry immediately and in Cork, uh, in Mellow, sorry, and that alleviates the pressure off of CUH. CUH, there's nothing wrong with the staff and the workers in CUH, it's just that the hospital isn't catered for the amount of people that are flooding into it, and they don't seem to we understand there's a simple way out but the simple way out is always the hardest way out in this country Yeah, use the resources uh, we have Do we know how that elderly gentleman is, uh, Michael? Um, I haven't any, any update but have uh, I certainly have had a lot of phone calls on Bless his heart, bless it. And, and can I say well done to the people of Skibbereen who, who seemingly by all accounts rallied around to make him as comfortable and, and you know, stay with him People were really good and, and very kind people don't understand and then there's worrying for other people who are living in areas like peninsulas and whatever and they're seeing this type of thing happening what's going to happen if you fall in your own home how long are you going to have to wait you know uh, I mean no matter how good your local doctor is he cannot he has to get you moved from there to to the local hospital as the local hospital is closed at 6 or 7 or 8 because of uh, political decisions unfortunately that were not popular were never going to work and and now we're seeing um, and, and I have seen it and this is only a case that we heard about there's lots of other cases I get told them on a regular basis of people that have been left there simply left there and, and unfortunately they have no voice but in this situation it was in the public domain on the side of the street and it was it was, it was just uh, unbelievable to be quite honest yeah, yeah, We absolutely need a review of, of the ambulance service in Cork and just where one very final one I take it your eye was uh, over yesterday maybe you were in there at some stage the Oireachtas uh, Sports Committee and, and the IFA Did did you keep an eye on what went on yesterday? The FAI. Um, oh, the FAI. Um, no, I, I did, but I, I was fairly busy yesterday. With, uh, quite a lot of uh, talking time in the doll about different issues, about parking, about different issues. But I will say uh, the, there was a debate last night that I didn't see, but I heard a lot about it this morning in relation to Ivan Yates and, and Michael Avery. I will say one thing. Thankfully, I, I, I clear up any um, uh, concerns your listeners might have. I have never written or asked John Delaney for a ticket uh, free or paid uh, but if, if I went to I very seldom I get to, to go to soccer I love soccer I went to see Arsenal versus Chelsea uh, which, uh, last, last year when they, were in, when they were in Dublin for the first time ever and I paid for my ticket the same as everybody else but the bottom line what I want to say is that there is financial irregularities in the FAI that needs to be ironed out but I will say one thing and I, I, I might get criticised I followed John Delaney last year when he was in West Cork I was asked by the clubs to come to the clubs and I followed the, the trail through West Cork and the clubs he went to. And what I really liked about the man was he was so down to earth. He met with the young children. He met with their parents. He met the mothers and the fathers who take him to the clubs. He gave funding, little funding. It might have been only 2002 club or 3000. He was down in Kinsale. He was down in Castletown, Kenya. He was in places. He absolutely had people. People absolutely loved him. And I wish that he didn't have the financial irregularities that are there at the moment. I do need to be ironed out. But I have to give 
credit where credit is due. He was a very, very much ordinary man. And what I'm afraid is, and I hope I'm wrong, that the new CEO of, of, of the FAI will be like a lot of them, won't speak to the public. And that's the way we're going, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we, we will wait and see. And someone says on a, on a, on a very positive note for you, uh, Heidi says, Morning, Patricia. Michael is wrong to say we don't have a voice. Uh, we have him to shout for us. Okay, on that positive note, we leave it. Michael, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us. That is uh, West Cork uh, Doll Deputy Michael Collins, 1850-333-103. A reminder to you that I'm involved with organising a table quiz that's going ahead tonight in Mona's Bar in Mallow. Half past eight start. Looking for tables of four uh, to come along and uh, join us. I, along with five other local women, I'm travelling to Belarus on the weekend of the Maybank holiday and we're going over to check up on some of the children who would have come to Mallow over the years and who are now young adults. Uh, I'm also going to check up on some of the children that were in the orphanage and who are now young adults at the orphanage where Marsha, my daughter, who where Marsha was adopted from, I've they're in a, an adult institution and I've managed to track down where they are. So I'm going to go uh, see them and just take a look at 20 years on from my first ever visit to Belarus. Have things changed? If I mean, I know the radiation is, if that hasn't changed, that's going to be there for many, many hundred years. But just out of interest, just to see for the living conditions for people, because it was quite tough when I went there uh, 20 years ago. I'm whole, whole, hoping against hope that I will see improvements. Now I know it won't all be improved and we know that there will be people who will be in need of help that we will meet uh, along the way and that's why we've decided, uh, the six of us, we're all paying for the trip obviously ourselves, our flights or accommodation and, and all of the ancillary costs associated with it but we just decided that we'd do a little bit of fundraising and bring some money with us so that um, cases that we come across that we can help out, particularly some of the young people who came to the North Cork area all you know over the summers who are now parents themselves they have their own children and we know some of them are really struggling and finding it really hard because they all majority of them came from our orphanages and they don't have families and they don't have support uh, around them and many of them are struggling so it would be nice to give them a little bit of help out so with that in mind we have a table quiz on tonight if you want to come along and uh, join us and I'm delighted to say that the radio station here have sponsored the prizes for the table quiz and we've got these four wonderful gifts kind of like C103 gift hampers but there's marquee tickets inside it so they're nice prizes uh, indeed that's Mona's Bar in Mallow tonight from half past eight look if you're coming along it'll be great to see you Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and we're going to Skull Garda Station where I'm joined by Sergeant James O'Donovan uh, for this week's uh, Garda Fire. good morning to James good morning Patricia and you're welcome to the programme let's Thank start with uh, some crimes uh, firstly there is um, a small number of burglaries you want yes. to talk about thankfully burglars are down and I suppose uh, we, we, we still have to talk about the, the three burglaries that I wish to get assistance from the public from uh, the first burglary happened on the 30th of March um, last in Bandon in the Watergate Street of Bandon it happened in 4.20 in the morning 
and and again I suppose what we're looking for is we're looking for information from any people that may have been going to work maybe in co-ops or shift work early in the, that morning did they see anyone suspicious around the Watergate Street area of Bandon and to make contact with Bandon Garda Station in relation to that the following two burglaries then happened on the same day on the 1st of April uh, 2019 in the Coachford area one in Gorta Trey and one in Bearings and it, that's covered by Coachford Garda Station these burglaries happened by day I suppose we're looking for um, anything suspicious, any suspicious car or any number of people that would have been acting suspicious outside the house in the in the Gorta Trey and Bearings area of Coachford between 1.30pm and half six that evening on the 1st to make contact with Gardaí and Coachford or Gardaí and McCrumman to pass on any information that they may have. I suppose what I want to move on to know, Patricia, is it's very, very relevant at the moment is email fraud and deception. Um, I know I was speaking to John there before I spoke to you and, and it's, you seem to be getting an awful lot of calls about people. Daily. Literally daily. There is not a day goes yes. by that we won't get calls in from, from people with scams. And uh, unfortunately, I suppose, we we keep after reiterating across to the to, to communities in West Cork and North Cork and where you cover on C103, is for people not to give out any details whatsoever. Um, these callers that are ringing are, are getting very savvy from the point of view now that they're ringing on numbers that are displayed and they appear to be from Ireland. Mm. Um, I, I was talking to someone recently, there was a Wexford number that appeared to come up in, a number of weeks ago, uh, even six months ago there was a number from Limerick and they came to be from Microsoft. And then the current one that seems to be very relevant is an 01 type Dublin number that appears on and they became to be from Irish Revenue. I suppose what we're saying to people is that under no circumstances should any details of any bank account or password to laptops be given to these people. Because what they do is they put in a malware or a program into your computer and they're basically cloning your computer remotely, which means that they have access to all your details in from your computer to their computer remotely and they can get away with a vast amount of cash. I suppose what it's very important to outline as well, Patricia, is that banks are also joining on side with Angersha Khan from the point of view of giving out uh, prevention advice to people now as well in relation to credit card fraud and to details of your bank accounts. Just take heed of every information, of every prevention advice that's coming from both ourselves and from financial institutions. But bear in mind, there is no financial institution going to make contact with you over the phone. They'll send you a letter first and then for you to contact them. We've all got those letters from banks saying that there's going to be uh, maybe an increase in charges maybe in relation to a personal account. They want you to contact them. They won't contact you over the phone. So that's vital for your listeners to know that no financial institution or no state body is going to contact you and say that you're owed money and for you to give them your bank details. So just for people to be very careful like I know I suppose and they keep changing up the, the letters yes. and they, you know you know, it'll be revenue one week the next week it might be a, ba- a bank one and then when people's cutting onto those they'll yeah, change it to I, something I, else so you just you, you, you have to be on your guard you all the time you have to be constantly on your guard and yeah. look they, they went so far as to say that they touched on the Irish water they did as well because they, they knew Irish water was a kind of a sensitive subject with the yeah. Republic and they say of course we might be able to take a gamble here. Yeah, and, and he, they did it. I remember the time of the refunds when yes. Irish Water were refunding the money. Yes. They jumped in on that one. Like, they're clever at what yeah. they're doing. It's a pity that they can't put it to better use. 
unfortunately, they are catching a number of people and there's no rebate back then from the point of view that look, yeah. the, the fact that the advice has been given out, people need to be very much clued into any of those calls. I was speaking at a district community alert meeting last night in Clonakilty and uh, an aud- a question came from the audience. Do the phone providers provide any service? If you wish for these calls to be blocked, make contact with your phone provider and see what service they can provide yeah, for some, you. Some can, not some all. Can. Not, not all. all. Not yes, <laughs> and, and the phone providers are sick to the teeth of, uh, of it as completely. well. Completely. But I think it's a combined effort between the communities, ourselves and phone providers that we'll be able to knock this in the head down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose suppose on another touch of deception as well, um, we had two incidents there recently in West Cork, one on the 30th of March in Domanway and one on the 5th of April in the McCroom area. Now, look, West Cork people and Irish people are very generous and very genuine as a whole across the board and these type of crimes are targeting our generosity and our sincerity. The one that happened in Domanue was a lady, an elderly lady was approached by a man saying that his transport lorry or trailer had broken down and he needed money to fix it. And he preyed on this lady's generosity and this lady handed over some of money saying that he'd be back and he never, he showed she up hasn't to give back the sense. money. Yeah. And unfortunately in that circumstance that man went back again the second time and he got even more money. And something similar happened in McCroom that, again, they were very, they appeared very genuine. They called to an elderly man and said that they were moving in down the road, that they were um, related to neighbours down the road and they wanted to pay for some work, but they didn't have money on them. Could they get a loan? Again, they preyed on a person's uh, generosity and got a sum of money off this person. It's, it's probably fairly relevant across West Cork in the last number of months that we've had bogus callers going to houses and getting large sums of money off elderly people as well. But what we're asking people is, be very sure of who you're dealing with. I know we're constantly talking about bogus callers to doors and they might be selling machinery or selling tools or selling clothing. We're asking people, unless you're 100% happy that you either know these people from... Uh, the past or that you know them genuinely as people that are genuinely selling genuine property don't engage with them don't let them into your house and certainly don't hand over uh, cash on the the promise that you're going to get cash back and they'll use names letting on that they know you know Mr Morrissey down the road they don't I mean they're just they don't and I suppose and again they're touching on the sincerity of the of the Irish people from the point of view that we always want to help someone yeah and Whereas we do want to help someone, but we certainly don't want to get caught out. And unfortunately, these um, elderly, vulnerable people in Domanue and McCroom were caught out. And we just want to highlight this across your listeners, just to be very mindful of not only yourselves, but your elderly neighbours up the road as well. Yeah, and if there is anyone suspicious around, contact the Gardaí. Look, we're delighted to get the phone calls that we can go out and make sure that these people are genuine and if they're not that we can deal with okay. them in appropriate ways. Okay, before we let you go, road um, safety advice for cyclists and you're appealing for witnesses yes. to a fatal accident unfortunately. Look, unfortunately we had a, a fatal accident in the Clonakilty district, district there last Sunday at about Corpus 1 between Lep and Skibbereen. Um, I suppose... We are looking for witnesses that were on the N71 between half 12 to uh, approximately Corpus 1 that day between Lip and Skibbereen travelling in either direction. Um, we're looking for them if they have, would have seen the cyclist or any other um, 
maybe driving on the road that might have warranted it to be reported to the Gardaí and again we'd like to pass on our sympathies to the family uh, of that lady that was involved in that traffic accident I suppose it, we're coming into that season as well Patricia where look cyclists are going out there in the evenings for their cycle we just want them to be very careful um, I, we're asking drivers to be careful of cyclists but we're also asking cyclists to be mindful that there is other road users out there particularly coming into this season where we have tillage silage starting there's machinery seems to be getting bigger every year from what I can see the trailers are getting bigger the tractors are getting bigger we're asking the owners of these trailers and tractors to be mindful of cyclists to have all their trailers with indicators and brake lights and everything so forth up, up and running on these tractors and trailers to indicate to other road users that they're overtaking cyclists or other road users on the road and we're also asking the people to be mindful of that for the next couple of months with the busy season coming in, to be very careful and to be patient on the roads behind these heavy um, agricultural machinery and, and contractors. Good words of advice. Thank you for that, James. And thanks Thank for joining us, Sergeant James O'Sullivan, um, based out of Skull uh, Garda Station. And yeah, deepest sympathies to that woman who was killed on, in that fatal road accident on, on the bike and I was also thinking of um, you know and I know we don't know all the circumstances of the case but I was also thinking of the woman in who was driving the car and uh, goodness me what that woman is must be going through you know you don't get into the car expecting something like that to, uh, to happen so uh, we pass on kind regards to that lady as well You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Only last week the topic of insurance and high insurance costs was raised yet again on the programme and we were talking and bemoaning the fact that one day we could end up having no indoor play areas or outdoor playgrounds for children because the owners, particularly of the indoor play areas, are seeing so many cases for personal injury taken against them when little ones are playing in a soft play area and one bumps off the other one and it gets a bump to the head or a sprained ankle or God forbid might even break a bone in some of these play areas because the the play can get a little bit boisterous and once they've been to the hospital and get sorted out Mammy and Daddy the administration to the solicitor and of course if you get enough of those cases against you you end up being put in a position that no insurance company wants to touch you and we're getting to the stage where the insurance premiums are gone so high for a lot of those indoor play centres that we may in not the not too distant future be talking about remember in the past when we used to have indoor play areas God wasn't they great fun especially on a rainy day when there's parents wanting to take their small ones someplace and there'll be no there'll be none available because they'll all be uh, closed down so the whole issue of insurance costs um, insurance rising insurance costs affect all of us because we all pay some kind of insurance be it car insurance house insurance uh, health insurance life insurance and the premiums just seem to be getting higher and higher. I mean, certainly anyone who is getting their premium for their car insurance will notice everybody's car insurance has gone up this year. It had sort of levelled out, hadn't it, for a number of years we were doing well. Last probably two years, if you got a quote in that was the same as the previous year, you were delighted with yourself. Uh, but it's it started to rise again just to warn you if you are waiting on a car insurance premium coming in. Well, the, a former High Court president, Nicholas Kearns, 
he has publicly expressed frustration at the slow pace of insurance reform and he is saying that the the country risks reputational damage if the claims culture in this country is not tackled and it is fantastic to hear a former High Court President coming out and saying this. He said he's baffled that a dedicated Garda unit has not been set up to prosecute fraudsters and he's called on insurers to publicly commit to reducing premiums it, uh, to reduce premiums in awards levels if award levels do come down. I mean that's got to be if they manage to get the award levels to come down then the insurance companies have to I scratch your back you scratch mine start reducing the uh, premiums. But this dedicated Garda unit, I mean, the insurance, the Alliance of Insurance Reform, who we've spoken with, Peter Boland, many, many times on the programme. I think every time I talk to him, we touch on that. Any sign yet of a Garda unit that would, you know, just look into fraud? And they're pushing and pushing and trying and, and trying. Because I think what's happening at the moment, besides you need to go after and check out people who are the fraudsters, but if somebody is in court and it's proven there was only there was a great example in the paper the other day of a young fella who was in the court for he was some car accident and all oh, the bad back and all of that and next when it was about to go to court didn't they discover Facebook posts of him working out in the gym and he had a fine six pack on him and they had other photographs of him I think playing football and doing other sporting events didn't look in any way like he had a dodgy back so of course he withdrew the case and the claim straight away but he walked away from court there's nothing you know we need to go after these people if it's proven that you have a fraudulent case then we need to go after people because at the moment it's kind of people saying sure I'll chance my arm if I get away with it happy days I'll get a nice check out of it and sure if I don't get away with it what happens I'll walk away from court so that you know that does need to be looked at anyway back to Justice Kearns he is heading up the Personal Injuries Commission uh, which found that awards for minor injuries in this country are almost five times those that are paid in England. He said it is staggering, the award levels. His report has recommended that judges be tasked with recalibrating award levels. He was speaking at a conference which has been organised by the Personal Injuries Assessment Board and he said that there was no constitutional difficulty in capping awards for minor injuries because that was mentioned before there was a constitutional issue. This guy knows what he's talking about. He said there isn't. But he's also saying that we now have a crisis in the insurance industry. And he said the crisis has spread across many small businesses, leisure facilities, shops, places of employment. And he said it's now causing people to lose their jobs in areas where if this market distortion wasn't in place, they'd be thriving and they'd be, and be pro- prosperous. And last week when we were talking about the indoor play areas, there was one K, one woman in particular, I think she's up in Navan, and she has this indoor play area and she was saying she's going to have to close because she, her problem is she can't get insurance anymore. Nobody's quoting her. Not even a ridiculous quote, she's just not getting a quote. And she was saying if she can't get a quote, she's going to have to close. Twelve jobs were going to go in the town of Navan if she closes her, her business. It really is crazy. And it's a business that is doing well. And it's a business that, you know, she could be investing more money into and it could continue to thrive and she could end up employing more people. And instead, it closed its doors 
young families will lose out because there'll be nowhere to take their kids on a rainy afternoon or to have their indoor party uh, at and those 12 people end up uh, signing on the dole. The Personal Injuries Commission report recommended that once a judicial council was legally set up, the judges on it would provide guidelines on the appropriate damages for personal injuries cases. But... The legislation, which has been on the way forever, could be another two years before it finally becomes uh, law. But to hear that our minor injuries in this country were paying out five times the amount that they're paying out just across the water uh, in uh, in England. And that I was thinking, uh, you know, that's just shocking. But there are people who are almost making money out of going to court because we know and we've seen cases in the past of somebody who's been the between the courts three, four, five and six times. I mean, can they be that unlucky? Can they be that unfortunate that they get involved in so many accidents? So I was reading that on the papers today and um, lo and behold, just on one page of the paper, just took a quick glance over one page of the paper to see if I could see any cases making the papers today. This is three that that I found at a very quick glance this morning. One is a four-year-old boy who cut his forehead when he fell off a stool in a crash. Now, it was 10 years ago, so he's now 14. You wonder, did the child even remember falling off and and cutting his uh, forehead? What did he get for it? €27,500. Then there was a girl, a 17-year-old girl. She broke her ankle when she stepped into a pothole while she was playing in her own backyard her family sued the landlord and she got €35,000 for breaking her ankle while playing in her own back garden. And then there was another man, a young man who twisted his ankle and he sustained a small fracture when he tripped on a footpath. He was before the High Court. He settled his case for £41,000. is not that... And I said, that's just one page in one newspaper today, if I had more time in my hands to go through all of the papers, I probably could have found even more cases for you. One third of people who have an accident at work on the road or in a public place will make a personal injury uh, claim. And actually, there was some research done for the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. They got a Morak to do some uh, research nationally, and it found that most most that they it found that eighty two percent believe that there is a compensation culture in this country, and there's a compensation culture that was never there before. I mean, I remember when I was going to school, if somebody fell like that if somebody had fallen off a, st- a, st- a stool and you know cut their forehead you'd have gone down to the nun in the kitchen and she'd get out the all and she'd put the all on it and put a little bit of sticky plaster over it and you'd be gone back to class uh, if you broke a bone while playing hockey you, obviously you did you were taken straight to the hospital and plaster of Paris and that was probably the most exciting thing that ever happened in the school was uh, we did, I definitely remember one girl breaking her arm and one girl breaking an ankle Again, I think they were both during hockey matches and we just couldn't wait for it to come back into the class. And we signed the, you know, the signing of the, the cast, the plaster of powers. I don't know if kids still do that uh, today, but certainly nobody went to court and nobody sued the school. We are living in a compensation culture. 1850 and we're all paying for it. 1850 333 103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And a reminder to you that I'm involved with a table quiz that's on tonight to help 
uh, Chernobyl affected families in Belarus. It's going on in Mona's Bar in Mallow tonight at half past eight. Tables of four. 40 euro, please. Kildallery Community Lotto Draw is on tonight. The jackpot is 1,400 euro and it'll be held in Ollie's Bar. The Students' Council and Lourdes Committee of St Mary's Secondary School in McCroom, they're hosting a fundraising colour run. That's on today. All money raised going to the McCroom Community Hospital and the Lourdes Pilgrimage. The Blood Transfusion Service Board, Blood Donor Clinic, Cork Marts in Formoy, 3 to 5 this afternoon and again 7 to 9 tonight. Michelle Cannon Quinn is hosting a Tupperware party in Kilavallen Community Centre, half past seven tonight. Proceeds for the night are going towards Michelle's volunteer trip to India. She's going this summer as part of the Serves Volunteer Programme. Good luck to Michelle uh, with her Tupperware party tonight and also her trip to India. And bingo's on tonight in Bandon GAA Pavilion. Nine o'clock start with a jackpot of €940. Euro. Now the Southern Star newspaper is running with a front page story that says Dunmanway's public toilets have become a refuge for local homeless people. Commenting on this uh, story is local Dunmanway councillor Declan uh, Hurley who joins me. Good afternoon to you Declan. Good afternoon. And, and I appreciate you, I know you're very busy today, I appreciate you taking um, our call and taking time out to talk to us. Okay, what, what do you know about these, I believe it's three homeless people. Yeah, there's currently a three homeless, um, uh, Patricia. Um, it started off with uh, one back, um, but to be honest I'm dealing with this now, it's about a year um, it began with one, and now there's three. I'm dealing with two of those uh, personally myself um, as a county councillor. But um, I suppose, look, the, the, the issue is there's a problem out there. It's not just in the cities, it's in the rural towns as well. And the Manway is an example. And um, I, I raised the issue at our last, uh, at the April um, Municipal District meeting to try and see if the, I suppose, the, 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 the authorities involved would just come on board and help because uh, at the moment me personally dealing with this um, with the people involved um, we're making no headway whatsoever we are getting uh, emergency accommodation from time to time but that, that's always the short term uh, and obviously I, we term. don't we, we, we're not going to name any, uh, any names and uh, people have the uh, right to their privacy yes. but are these local people? Yeah, they're, they're local. Um, the Manway is, is, is a local, it's a rural town and it has a big rural catchment area. So, yes, in a sense, they may not be directly from the town itself, but they are from the local hinterland from around the Manway area. Because it's very unusual to have people sleeping rough in a county town. Uh, it, it is. And look, I suppose, the, the, again, without going into the details of these, individ- of these cases, um, People do go off the rails from time to time, and like at the moment, this is a homeless situation. But there's there's probably two sides to this. Number one, try and deal with the homeless situation, but as well too, there's there's addiction, and there's I suppose a need for treatment and help in this before we can actually get to the point of getting housing for yeah. these people. So, um, my my call at the meeting um, in earlier in this month was for the county council, the HSC, and the tenancy support services to come together. Um, around the table and sit down and put a, some kind of a plan in place for these people because um, this can't be left to go on. We're a year now, I, I'm a year now trying to deal with this and I'm no further closer to getting a result for any of those cases than I was uh, 12 months ago. So um, I think at the moment the problem I see is that the, the agents are just standing around waiting for somebody to make the first move. And at the moment my call is for those agencies to sit down 
collectively around, around the table and look at these three cases and see what help can be got because um, this is going to escalate. It's, go, it's going to get worse for those people involved because they are trying to get their lives back on track, but they need support uh, in doing that. And yes, getting a house or a home or a shelter is, is one step, but as well to the other side of it is getting help and treatment for those people that they can manage to get into a house and keep that house and maintain it and get a job and get a living and I suppose live some kind of a proper life that they're entitled to. Yeah, because uh, we know in the city there's, you know, wonderful homeless services and charities, you know, the Penny Dinners, the Simon, there's various soup runs. I mean, I'm assuming in a town like Dunmanway you don't have services like that. We don't, but I have to, I suppose, mention that the locals here in town are healthy out as, as best they can. Well done. Food and clothing. Uh, and I have to com- compliment uh, the, the local community for, for doing that. But that's, again, only short term. Like, people are hoping that this is going to be resolved by getting help and getting accommodation for these three uh, individuals. But um, as I say, that we're no closer 12 months down the road than we were. Um, and that, that's my concern. And again, I suppose this overall, we haven't got. The, uh, we haven't got the housing numbers to accommodate everybody. Um, I do know that Cork County Council is, I thought it has reached its current housing targets set by the government, but personally I believe that those targets set by the government need to be looked at again because we, we are way short of what is actually needed out there. And again, we don't, as a county, and again in demand, we don't have single units. We have two beds, three beds housed, and again, people in a single uh, situation don't qualify for a two or three bed house. That's a huge problem. I mean, you know, you're you're part of the full county council. That's a problem right across the county, isn't it? That's not just a West Cork problem. It is, and certainly 60-70% of people coming to me looking to get get social housing would be um, in single people. Is it as high as that? It would, it would. Well, for me personally, in, in my role as a county councillor, but uh, the amount that I would have certainly, I suppose, on my books, at least we made 30 people at the moment waiting to get social housing and uh, 60-70% of those are single people. And they, think they don't qualify for a two or three bed house because um, that, those single units are not there. So that issue has not been addressed yet by government and the, the county council cannot address it until the government put those targets and measures in place to allow a, county, a local authority to address it. Oh, and in the meantime, we have these people and they're, it's, it's like a canopy outside of the toilets, isn't it, is, is where they seem to be sleeping? Yeah, the, the, just to explain to your listeners, the, the roof of the public toilets, um, just the, the roof extends out over the actual building itself so that there is a shelter so basically these people are, are sleeping under this canopy at night time. Now, thankfully, the, the, the summer is coming and the evenings are getting brighter and warmer. Uh, but like during the winter months, um, the people were in, in dire straits trying to keep dry and stay warm. Um, and we did get um, emergency accommodation from time to time. But again, that's only short term. Um, but like as I say, I would hope and pray that we have this issue addressed and resolved before we face into the winter of this coming this coming winter. Because again, uh, I think what could happen if, if these three people have to face into a winter with no shelter, no home, no food. Uh, so again, I am I'm caught publicly at the meeting. I'm publicly called on the agencies to come in and sit down and and address this situation because okay. help is needed, support is needed, uh, but for some reason they're just waiting around for somebody to make the first move. The first move needs to be these certainly the the council, HSC, and community support making the first move themselves collectively uh, and addressing the situation here in Demanway. And again, it's not just Demanway; it's 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 it's, it's, it's in Cork County and other towns as well. And too, would you I hear just, actually from? other councillors 
uh, Declan, do we have, I mean, it would be sporadic, but do we have rough sleepers in other towns? Well, I, I'm aware of, again, I'm not going to mention individual towns or cases, but yes, I'm aware of other similar situations in other towns around the county. And again, my, my fellow councillors are, are dealing with situations on a personal basis. So again, they're limited to what they can do, but they are trying to work with the agencies. And I know the agencies, again, are trying to work with, with the resources they have. But the bottom line is that those support agencies don't have enough resources available to help people in these situations. So again, it goes back to the government. If the government can provide resources to these agencies, yes, they can help. But until that happens, um, it, it's kind of, you know, kind of you're you're trying to prevent a fatality in these situations. And you know how severe winter can get, and somebody's sleeping outdoors in in these kind of conditions. Um, it, it's not it's not good for for men or beasts, shall I say. And um, they've already experienced one winter. And thank you, they've come through it. I, I do not want to see these people having to face into another winter in these situations. Yeah, because again, I, as I said at the outset, we always have this notion that rough sleepers are going to be in cities or the large urban areas. You don't don't expect to see them uh, in the in the county towns. Because I know on post, and I thought it was a brilliant initiative where they brought out you can get an address. A homeless person now can get an address, and they can nominate their local uh, post office. And I was surprised when I was going down through the list to see all of the county towns on the list. So I was thinking there must be a need. There are obviously rough sleepers. They mightn't, you might necessarily always see them, but they're obviously there. They, they are there and I suppose they, they, again, they have their own personal situations and they're trying to also live day by day. Um, and again, again, as well as seeing the physical uh, situation on the ground, there's families as well to involve this behind the scenes and, and they are trying to help as well too. And sometimes uh, a personal situation, um, it, it might not be, how should I put it, there's other situations where it's not possible for families to help individuals and that's where these agencies have to step in and, and kind of help these people back into a situation whereby, yes, maybe they can perhaps move back in home again or else uh, be put into a, a situation whereby they can think for themselves, have a home and have a life and, and get the support um, of the, the, the services around. But at the moment, at, um, I, I don't see that uh, coming down to, I suppose, ground level where it's actually needed uh, and the men we know at the moment is, is a perfect example of um, of agencies not having the resources and uh, not able to step in and, and help these three homeless people. OK, well, uh, good luck with uh, getting this uh, sorted and uh, let us know how you get on, Declan. In the meantime, thank you I for will. that and thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Councillor Declan Hurley joining us from Dunmanway. That story is, uh, is making the front page of the Southern Star newspaper uh, today. OK, on the insurance culture and the compensation culture in which we live in this country and uh, I'm not on my own there's research out saying 82% of us believe that we live in a compensation culture Susan says I thought my I twisted my ankle and I have had to be helped back to the classroom by other pupils the teacher examined my leg and said ah go on you're fine but it turned out I torn ligaments and I ended up having to get a cast on to this day I get pain in that ankle mainly I feel by the way I was 
was treated. I understand Patricia is on uh, about that we have a claims culture but I think if teachers took the injury seriously in school it might save on this uh, situation. Yeah, I mean the, you, well, in your particular case it was the teacher was wrong. The teacher, you know, wh- when did the teacher become a doctor? The teacher should have listened to you when you were complaining and believed you when you said you were in pain. But I'm sure you didn't, once you got your cast on, I don't know, did you toodaloo along or did your family go along to the courts and look for compensation? I'm, I'm just saying it's the difference. Things like that happened and what you, the teacher who treated you was completely wrong. The, you should have been believed. But what I'm talking about today is, I mean, any of the cases that I mentioned that are just from today's papers, it wasn't that any, any teacher reacted wrongly. A child fell off a crash, was dealt with instantly. Somebody fell in a back back garden, their own back garden, we assume their parents took them straight away to the hospital. And in the other case, uh, a 17 year old slipped on on a broken pavement and uh, sued. I'm just saying people seem to rush in straight away. And, you know, before they even think of the ambulance, we seem to be thinking of, is there a solicitor there? No, others will say the law department and the society and the uh, the lawyers and barristers that they have a role as well that do they need to sometimes say to a client do you really need to sue in this case but I suppose that's the business they're in they're in that business to make money can I go back to a couple of other issues Ivan Yates I was still getting a call in on this Anna we're going to be talking about this actually in a couple of minutes Anna in Mill Street said Ivan Yates this is what happened last night with Michael Healy Ray on the TV programme Ivan Yates is a very good presenter he knows exactly how to push Michael Healy Ray's buttons Michael Healy Ray is a disgrace according to Anna in Mill Street he 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 was just fighting with a personality it was no of no interest to anybody else watching the programme I think Michael Healy Ray needs stress and anger management classes Ivan Yates does a very good job on that TV show and I feel the Healy Rays just let themselves down Anna feels that Michael Healy Ray left Kerry down last night maybe he should step back for a while I'm sure the people at Kerry will see that different they'll see it as one of their own fighting for them and Frankie in Bandon on Cork University Hospital this is, I suppose ties in with when I was talking with Michael Collins he was talking about that elderly man in Dunmanway I, I can't get that poor man out of, out of my head he had a fall uh, fell on the uh, on the footpath somewhere in um, Skibbereen last week and obviously people straight away rushed to his aid and, and well done to people for helping him out dialed 999 said we needed ambulance he seemed to have had a neck and a hip in the we don't know what what happened to the gentleman but he was complaining of a pain in his neck and pain in his hip so I mean if I was at the scene of an elderly man falling and he starts complaining of his neck I would be saying do not move lie perfectly still as you can there's an ambulance on its way and, you know obviously people were doing that and were helping him and reassuring him it's going to be okay Two and a half hours later, an ambulance turns up, having come from Carasivine to take the man. And I'm assuming then off into CUH, he went and I don't know how long more he waited then. Uh, but that then led to the whole discussion about review of ambulances. We need more ambulances. And when we were talking about the cold black in Cork University Hospital and the fact that there was five ambulances parked outside, somebody did ring this programme and said, what if there was a major emergency? What would happen if all the ambulances were caught 
at CUH. You know, and and uh, there was an example. That was it was a medical emergency for that man when he fell on the side of the footpath. Now I'm not saying that that happened on the same day as the Code Black, but there just wasn't an ambulance available for him. Frank says, why can't they reopen the A and E department at the South Infirmary, Mallow General Hospital, and Bar- Bantry General Hospital, having two main hospitals in Cork, the Mercy and CUH. But the only A&Es, we are proving, are we not, that they simply cannot cope. Is there any humanity in Dáil Éireann? Are, are they all just up in the Dáil on the gravy train? Is anybody going to stand up for the health service in this country with more A&Es? If we had more in E departments, that would relieve the ambulances and the ambulances would not be parked up outside CUH waiting to offload their patients. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Public text in on the compensation culture in which we live. A listener says, hi, I know of a lady who claimed uh, that after an ankle fracture in a local, made a claim after an ankle fracture in a local car park. From day one, she said that she had had bad shoes on, but they went straight into the bin and then she went straight for the claim. €74,000 was her settlement and now the local community are left with a hugely increased insurance cost all because of her claim. And then someone else rather tongue in cheek says, Lord Patricia, I'm here in a state of shock listening to you. The fact I could actually be a millionaire. I fell from an unmarked step in a church and dislocated my shoulder. I ended up spending six weeks strapped up but I just put it down to my own awkwardness. Did I just miss a chance there? Says a uh, texter. 1850-333-103. Let me go back to the Oroctus Committee for Transport, Tourism and Sport that went on. It was underway this time yesterday and it went on for a full eight hours. Did we learn much? Um, many people would say we learned absolutely nothing. Kevin in Ovens has been following this with interest. Uh, good afternoon to you, Kevin. Afternoon. Y- you're in you you're a football fan all of your life, all you say. Life, yeah, have, have you been involved in, in FAI at local level? Were you involved with training and, you know, involved in any local no, soccer I clubs? No, I followed football all my life, but I knew people in the in the know, if you put it that way, you know. Just, yeah, but just just an avid soccer fan. Yeah, that's my first love in sport is, is football. But you see, the trouble here, um, I think the trouble started yesterday because the... The sports council withdrew the money the day before. Yeah, they, they did it at the wrong time. That got the FAI's back up, gave them the excuse they were looking for. They should have waited until yesterday was over, and then withdraw it this morning. They did better lives by far. It was the wrong thing to do. And you see, the hunt is on there for John Delaney. They're hunting the wrong man. The FAI have been in trouble for years and years and years. You can go back to the Sayapan debacle, yeah. where Mick McCarthy and Ray Keane were actually victims of the FAI. But John Delaney was involved. John Delaney was involved. Was there again. I mean, he is... very popular among the grassroots. Yeah, but he is the CEO. He is, that's right. You know, does he... Does the buck not stop with the CEO? Probably. Probably. But you see, um, he's there too long. Yeah. The board are there too long. This is the problem. They're getting rusty. They're they're getting... They're closing ranks. And like, it was fingers up yesterday to the Public Accounts Committee. That's what it was. You could. I don't know. Did you watch any of it live? I don't know if you if you if you watched energy. You probably, you probably saw it on on the news. If you didn't I watch did. it live, I got, I got annoyed in last night. Very annoyed actually with Ivan Yates. I a, think he's and Michael Hilly Ray. And that incident, I think Ivan Yates, in my books, is a hopeless inventor. That would not happen in RTE, or it wouldn't happen with your good self if we're talking to him. 
there's a way of handling these guys. Yeah. And he's jumped into he's doing it's not just last night, it was other things as well, other nights. You but know? see, but Michael Healy Ray, I actually saw Michael Healy Ray live. He only had three minutes. That's and, all, yeah. and he went in and he was, you know, fulsome in his praise of John Delaney Correct. because of what John Delaney has done for Michael Healy Ways, what's in Michael Healy Ways backyard, he's looked after small little clubs in the area. And as you say, that's what has got John Delaney the respect of the grassroots. Yeah, well, supporters. he has done it here too near me here at the Lakewood Athletic Club and Ballancolic. He was very good to them of recently, only last autumn. Yeah. He even dished out free tickets to the cup final. Did he? I came across mm. four of them. I already had my own. I gave them to teenagers who wanted to go. No, they weren't premium tickets, but they were free tickets. Yeah, and... I meet them up there and so on, you know, and things like that. And he gave the shoe bob to them. They have a beautiful academy here in Lakewood. A fantastic outfit. Mm. And after the youngsters, the whole lot, all thanks to John Delaney. And the junior clubs in Cork, in Kerry, in Clare... That's Mayo, reflected all over the country. All over the country yeah. are totally behind him. Yeah. He's not the problem. I know he's the CEO, I know that. Or was... Is not the problem. The problem is the FBI themselves. Well, it was it was cringeworthy to hear the. I know the treasurer. The he was an elderly man yes, when he was asked yes. how many bank accounts do that you have. Was terrible, yes. One, and it was it was twenty four. It was a major thinking, number. How could a treasurer not know that you had twenty four bank accounts? Yeah, I know. It is beyond belief, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So where where do you think it'll all end up? Uh, it'll die a thousand deaths like everything else in this country. Yeah. John Delaney will move on to FIFA or to the UEFA, the European Union. We need a man like him in there actually in that organisation. He seems to be very well respected. He is because you see this all goes back to the famous match in Paris with the Ireland France game with the handball. Yeah. That particular night you see. Yeah, Uh, yeah, where we lost out. There was no way Ireland going to win that game. It wouldn't suit if the French were out of the World Cup. That's the way they go on. And he's in there now to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future. We're only a very small little country. We don't count. The population is too small, you see. And we're just left left aside in places like that. Except when you qualify, when you qualify for that, you see, it's a major fund. It's money. And yeah. the French in the World Cup, if they would end it, they have the 60 million people there. There's so many will travel to the finals where in Ireland the population isn't there. And that it's many smaller, won't go. yeah, yeah. That's, this is all yeah. just a and, thing. and but also the the FAI fifty million euro go through goes through their banks. Uh, I mean, it's it's a wealthy organisation. It is a wealthy. You know? But you see, after the Saipan incident, there was a um, a new rule brought out. There was a reforms done, carried out or suggestions, and they were never followed through on. Mm. And when the sports council go to give money to this organisation, they should see are they. No rules being implemented. Yeah, it's yeah. still not no money. It's yeah. Yeah, you're very right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very true. All right, Kevin, good uh, uh, good words of advice. Listen, thank you for that. Uh, one last little thing. I'll, yeah. I believe it is happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> you're very kind. Okay. Mind yourself, take care. That is Kevin in Ovens and actually somebody else who agrees uh, with the point that Kevin made there is uh, Jim, who is critical of Anne from Mill Street. Anne from Mill Street was condoning Michael Healy Ray's uh, behaviour um, and uh, talking about Ivan Yates. Uh, Jim says Ivan Yates was nothing short of a bully last night and treats other guests likewise. Jim wonders what would Anne think if he spoke like that to a lady and he wouldn't 
believe me, says Jim, he wouldn't say to Ruth Coppinger. She'd put him in his place fairly fast. Ivan was supposedly a lot of debts. Uh, Ivan, yeah, he's left a lot of debts after him after his uh, bookie shop went into uh, receivership. Well, he went into, he declared himself bankrupt, didn't he? He took out of the country uh, for a year. That's from Jim uh, by WhatsApp. That's where I leave you for today, reminding you that I'll be going along to that table quiz that we're running this evening in Mona's Bar in Mallow. And it's to raise money for families affected by Chernobyl in Belarus. Families that we'll be meeting up with when I head over there in uh, May. If you're coming along tonight, looking forward to seeing you. It is from half past eight in Mona's Bar in Mallow. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced on his birthday. Once again, happy birthday to him and thank you to people who are sending in WhatsApps. I'll send on all the best wishes uh, to John Paul uh, for you. Nick is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Walker Hearing Clinic in the Consultants Private Clinic at CUH. Hearing care and wax removal. See walkerhearingclinic.ie Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest latest traffic information we'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day and of course we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits C103